Welcome to What Does This Mean? A discussion of the Bible passages Lutherans and many other Christians read in church each Sunday. Today we hear that the good news of Jesus' birth is good news for the entire world, and that begins with Jesus calling his first disciples. Welcome. We're so glad you've joined us. I'm Pastor Javen Swanson. And I'm Pastor Bradley Schmeling. I'm Pastor Lois Palmeyer. And we are the pastors at Gloria Day Lutheran Church in St. Paul, Minnesota. For the next few minutes, we're going to be discussing the readings that are assigned for the second Sunday after Epiphany. We think this is really fun because we don't often get a chance to talk about Scripture together, and actually all of us could read scripture more and study it more together. It also helps us as we are preparing for our sermons on Sundays. During the second season of our podcast, we've been inviting special guests to join us each week in the studio. And this week, our guest is Julie Prince. Wow. Welcome, Julie. Thank you. Glad to be here. Can you tell us a little bit about yourself? My name is Julie Prince. My husband is Greg Berger, and we have two daughters, ages 20 and 22. We live in sunny downtown St. Paul. We've been members at Gloria Day for about 20 years. Tell us what you do around Gloria Day. Well, there have been a number of things over the years. Uh, Volunteer coordinator for Project Home, a founding member of Soul Food back in the day, outreach committee, auction committee, gifts, grants, and memorials, nominating committee, uh, church council, sanctuary support committee more recently, and the welcoming community committee. I'm also a member of the Bell Choir and Chancel Choir. What else do you want to do? (laughs) (laughs) You're welcome back to any of those things. You could do them all at once, I think. What do you do when you're not showing up at a committee meeting at Gloria Day? I recently started the piano. So I'm a beginner in piano, and I'm having a blast. I think more people should take up piano. All right. Well, why don't we dive in to the readings? Pastor Bradley, would you read the first one for us? Sure. Our first reading is from Isaiah 49, seven verses, one through seven. Listen to me, O coastlands. Pay attention, you peoples from far away. The Lord called me before I was born. While I was in my mother's womb, he named me. He made my mouth like a sharp sword. In the shadow of his hand, he hid me. He made me a polished arrow in his quiver. He hid me away. And he said to me, you are my servant, Israel, in whom I will be glorified. But I said, I've labored in vain. I've spent my strength for nothing and vanity, yet... Surely my cause is with you, the Lord, and my reward with my God. And now the Lord says, who formed me in the womb to be his servant, to bring Jacob back to him, and that Israel might be gathered to him. For I am honored in the sight of the Lord, and my God has become my strength. He says, it is too light a thing that you should be my servant to raise up the tribes of Jacob and to restore the survivors of Israel. I will give you as a light to the nations, that my salvation may reach to the end of the earth. Thus says the Lord, the Redeemer of Israel and his Holy One, 
to one deeply despised, abhorred by the nations, the slave of rulers. Kings shall see and stand up, princes, and they shall prostrate themselves because of the Lord who is faithful, the Holy One of Israel, who has chosen you. As a lay person, I'm not a biblical scholar or anything. I get overwhelmed when we get dropped into the middle of the book of a Bible with minimal context. Which but has your last name in it. It does. So the princes. Princes. Oh. <laughs> That's why we the chose The princes this text. of the world. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but right away with this reading, I get hung up on wondering who's the speaker? Who is the I? Who is the me in this reading? What was the intended purpose of this writing? So I struggle with that every week with almost all of the readings. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think that's common for all of us. Even Isaiah is challenging because it's this long book. And even in that book, it's got several different contexts. So if you know one, if you understand one part of it, it might mean you, you aren't getting another part of it. And I think it's exactly right. Yeah, I think it's hard even when we're just reading through the Gospels each Sunday when we just read a little slice of it each week. And I even forget from week to week what happened the week before, like in the passage just before what we're reading in church today. I sometimes get so focused on just today's passage that I lose sight of the context around it. Well, just to give a little background about this this piece of Isaiah, Isaiah is here, he's writing to the people who have been exiled to Babylon. So they've lost Jerusalem, they've lost their homes, they're far, they're far away. So they really feel like they've been totally forgotten. And their whole theology was that, you know, they'd been set apart, they'd been chosen by God. So they'd built their whole identity around Jerusalem, and now all that's gone. So the question is really, who am I? So Isaiah here, I think, is trying to give them hope that they're not forgotten, and God is saying, I've chosen you, and I chose you while you were still in your mother's womb before you even know know it. And you ask a good question. It's like, who, who's Isaiah talking to? And there's kind of some different ideas about that, that maybe he's talking to a particular person, or maybe he's talking to the, the nation as a collective, that this is a kind of plural thing. I've chosen you, all of you, to be my chosen one in the world. So I think the point of this is, is to be hopeful. I see that collective question of who the speaker is in, you know, they use personal pronouns, I, so it sounds like it's an, an individual. But you hear in verse three, and he said to me, you are my servant Israel in whom I have, will be glorified. Israel was the name for Jacob, but also all the name for all the people of Israel and all of Jacob's descendants in the sense of we are the people of God are being called as servant. Um, as a nation, we are being called almost like as a unified nation that we will do this together. And especially, I think that's so powerful for a nation that's been ripped apart and now they're far, far away. And, and some of the people were back at home, you know, who had been kind of abandoned and some were here in Babylon and here, uh, Isaiah, the prophet, is talking to all of them, saying, I I have been called. I am going to do this. Think of ourselves as being a unified. I think hearing it read aloud really helped because I did not read it aloud. And hearing Pastor Bradley read it aloud 
helped me a lot because he put pauses in different places and I would have put them and that helped with the meeting. I think that's a good strategy sometimes with trying to understand scripture is to actually read it out loud. Sometimes I do that at home. It's kind of weird sitting by yourself reading out loud, but it does a couple things. It one it makes me pay attention in a different way and I do think these were originally written to be read out loud. So people heard them rather than saw them on a page. And so something different happens when they're given voice. Um, And you do end up having to think about, okay, do I pause at this comma? Do I keep do I keep going? And and it's kind of different how you can change an interpretation of a passage by your inflection or by your you're pausing. I usually try to do that is to think, how do you get people to pay attention to this? And, and I'll tend to pause or nuance words that you, maybe you won't expect just to trick people to hear it right. in a different and, way. And we don't know because when it was written, it didn't have any punctuation at all. It didn't even have vowels or tense. So we've added a lot in our, you know, we've interpreted it even to get it into English. And then we've added punctuation, which you know, maybe we're not supposed to be there. I think it is interesting, Bradley, you were talking about how we can change the interpretation even just by how we emphasize certain things or read things differently. And I often think when I'm preparing for Sunday, when I'm preaching, knowing that I'm going to be the one reading the gospel lesson in worship, I'll think about, okay, where am I trying, what am I doing with the sermon? What am I doing with the text in the sermon? And is there something I want to highlight in my reading of the gospel lesson to point toward where I'm going with the sermon? So I think it's a really great strategy, actually, and it really does change how we hear scripture depending on how we read it or or hear it read. Well, I think what also is interesting with the lectionary is that the choice of the gospel reading also shapes the way you hear these other readings. Like in a few minutes, we'll talk about the calling of the disciples. So it's this passage about Jesus choosing people to follow. So that gives some shape to this Isaiah reading. I think we're meant to hear this to address to us. You know, this isn't God calling someone far back in history, and we're just remembering history. We're supposed to hear this as... I chose you, and I knew you in your mother's womb. I chose you when you were just, you know, being made. Um, I've had plans for you, Um, which becomes a kind of beautiful message. I feel like a lot of us wonder if we have a place or meaning or does, does my life matter? Am I doing things that matter? And to me, this text says... Yes, every human life matters, and God um, is at work in every human life, and that's in the background of this text too, I think. Actually, in the season of Epiphany, from really from January 6th until Ash Wednesday, all of the texts are about how God chooses us to be light in the in the world. We heard that last week begin really strongly with the baptism of Jesus, and now it's picked up this week. And we're going to hear that every week for the next several weeks going forward. And both last week and this week, we have these uh, servant songs from Isaiah. So this is the same as what we talked about last week. That's great. All right. Why don't we take a quick break?
Welcome back. Our second reading for this coming Sunday is 1 Corinthians 1, verses 1 through 9. Paul, called to be an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God, and our brother Sosthenes, to the church of God that is in Corinth, to those who are sanctified in Christ Jesus, called to be saints, together with all those who in every place call on the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, both their Lord and ours, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. I give thanks to my God always for you because of the grace of God that has been given you in Christ Jesus. For in every way you have been enriched in him, in speech and knowledge of every kind, just as the testimony of Christ has been strengthened among you, so that you are not lacking in any spiritual gift as you wait for the revealing of our Lord Jesus Christ. He will also strengthen you to the end, so that you may be blameless on the day of our Lord Jesus Christ. God is faithful. By him, you were called into the fellowship of his Son, Jesus Christ our Lord. I have two comments about this reading. The first is I'm always fascinated by the salutations in these letters. <laughs> They're just beautiful. They pack in a lot of information. And they're very much in contrast to how we communicate to one another today when I think about the snippets we read on social media. Yeah. Blasts. We just blast people. Or we'll start by, hey, and then, <laughs> right, we'll, right, and then right. we'll start something. Like or a not text even, message, not yeah, even, not uh, even any, hey. any kind of salutation. Right. Just what are you doing? Even, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> We've talked about this before on the podcast, too. There was a few weeks ago that we had the very beginning of one of Paul's letters, and we talked about kind of the ancient style of letter writing and how Paul really, you know, he has these flourishes where he packs in all sorts of stuff. Like he kind of previews his message just in the like in the salutation to sort of like whet your appetite a little bit for what's to come. It's maybe a little less so here, but still you sort of see what maybe he's going to be up to in First Corinthians just in these first few verses. Well, he packs a whole lot about God in the first couple of verses, which is interesting. I mean, you go on and read the rest of the letter, you realize there are major problems happening in the church in Corinth. There's all kinds of divisiveness, all kinds of factions and people having, you know, feasts at, at the Eucharist and then not letting some people eat and differences of opinion about everything. And they're separating from themselves and they're not coming to, to worship anymore. But Paul acts like, no, you are sanctified, you are called. And he keeps mentioning what God has done for them, what God is doing for them, what God will continue to do for them, as if to say, you may try to fight among, amongst yourselves, but don't forget who you are. You know you've been chosen by God, sanctified, you know, set apart to be God's people. And he keeps, I, I feel like there's, there's power in that. It, it's so beautiful, but it's also the sense of, I know who you really are. And all these device, divisions and um, attitudes you've been presenting to me aren't the real thing. The thing that really jumped out at me was this mention of spiritual gifts. So that term really jumped out at me. And I wondered, is that relevant today? How is that relevant today? Say a little bit more about what you think, what makes you ask that question. I grew up in a very literal tradition of Christianity, and there was a lot of discussion of spiritual gifts, people speaking in tongues and having special abilities to interpret the scripture and that kind of thing. And I don't know if I 
necessarily believe that anymore. I don't know what I think. So just to see that word, that phrase again, made me wonder about it. Right, right. Is there a particular list? You know, and I think there's a couple times in Scripture where there's given the okay. These are the spiritual gifts. Some will do this. Some will some will do this. And um, in other places, it's qualities like gentleness and compassion and steadfastness. And but it's a it's a really good question. It's like is a gift different than a spiritual gift? And I wonder if maybe there's not a difference. It's that a a gift becomes spiritual in a sense when we use it to connect to depth or to God, to one another. For example, you said you're learning to play the piano. And so maybe here gift doesn't mean necessarily um, expertise or like great competence, but how, how does playing the piano do something for you or for others? Then it becomes gift. For the healing um, of the world, you know, that sense of everything that we we can do could be uh, healing. I also wonder in this section if um, there may have been some of the factions that said, well, you know, we have to rely on the leaders. We, we don't know that. Or Paul, Paul didn't tell us that. And he's maybe he's trying to say, each one of you has a spiritual gift. All of you are important to the body. All of you um, have a role to play. And is he, is he trying to remind them that they are not lacking in any spiritual gift? God is already present in their life, too. Yeah, you just you talked a little bit ago about how one of the things we find out later in 1 Corinthians is that there was a lot of division in the community. And that reference to spiritual gifts made me remember, I think it's chapter 12, in 1 Corinthians, where Paul talks about there are varieties of gifts. It almost sounds like people in the community were saying, well, these gifts are more important than others. And so that therefore you are more important than these other people. And Paul is saying, no, there are varieties of gifts. God gives some people the gift of prophecy and God gives some people the gift of teaching, or, teaching yeah. and preaching and miracles and whatever. And then God or Paul says, um, God gives all of us those gifts by the same spirit. And then he, the next part of that passage is we're actually all one body with many members and we need all the members to be a fully functioning body. So already Paul is kind of previewing, I think, here in chapter one, just by this little reference to spiritual gifts, I think maybe what's coming later. Let's take a quick break. Welcome back. Our gospel reading today is from the Gospel of John, chapter 1, verses 29 through 42. John the Baptist saw Jesus coming toward him and declared, Here is the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. This is he of whom I said, After me comes a man who ranks ahead of me because he was before me. I myself did not know him. But I came baptizing with water for this reason, that he might be revealed to Israel. And John testified, I saw the Spirit descending from heaven like a dove, and it remained on him. 
I myself did not know him, but the one who sent me to baptize with water said to me, He on whom you see the Spirit descend and remain is the one who baptizes with the Holy Spirit. And I myself have seen and have testified that this is the Son of God. The next day, John again was standing with two of his disciples. And as he watched Jesus walk by, he exclaimed, Look, here is the Lamb of God. The two disciples heard him say this, and they followed Jesus. When Jesus turned and saw them following, he said to them, What are you looking for? They said to him, Rabbi, which translated means teacher, where are you staying? He said to them, Come and see. They came and saw where he was staying, and they remained with him that day. It was about four o'clock in the afternoon. One of the two who heard John speak and followed him was Andrew, Simon Peter's brother. He first found his brother Simon and said to him, We have found the Messiah, which is translated anointed. He brought Simon to Jesus, who looked at him and said, You are Simon, son of John. You are to be called Cephas, which is translated Peter. Well, as a modern-day person, it's hard for me to imagine a time where there were prophets wandering around declaring various truths, as John the Baptist did. And I marvel how single-minded John the Baptist was. That was his purpose. That was his calling. But I imagine that he came off as kind of crazy to people. And maybe that's—maybe back in those days that was more common. I don't know. But he must have been deeply unpopular in some circles. But he had followers. You know, it's just kind of interesting because I always think that, too. He was just kind of a weirdo out there doing his thing, eating locusts or something. And then (laughs) there are teams of people that kind of hung out and said, yeah, we're we're one of John's people. But I think it's – I've always been struck that he's off in the wilderness, you know, like he's not in the middle of the city, maybe because he wouldn't have been – welcome there. Like he needed to be somewhere where there wasn't a lot of people around. <laughs> I always think it's kind of extraordinary to be, to to point beyond yourself. I mean, we all live in this world where we are the center of the universe and we just see the world. I'm reading a book right now, um, which talks about not personalizing what people say or do because it's not all about you and their life is not organized around you. So step out of yourself and imagine, you know, a different uh, worldview or a different context. But John, that's what he kind of does. He steps out of himself and points to to another place, which I just think that I, I hadn't really thought about that till you were talking about it, asking the question. There's a famous painting where John has this long bony finger and he's standing just pointing at Jesus, which maybe it's good to be reminded, we don't have to be Jesus. We don't have to be the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. All we have to do is be the ones who kind of point to it and say, come and see. Right. I think it's kind of cool that in the other Gospels, John really is the Baptist. And here... There's just kind of a passing reference to John's baptism of Jesus, but the main thing is that he points to Jesus. He's more like John the pointer than <laughs> John, the, John the Baptist. Do you think it was hard for him when his his friends went and followed Jesus instead of him? 
Like they kind of abandon him and go off to follow Jesus instead. He knew that it was his purpose. He was pointed so. to Jesus. I mean, right. he told him to follow. So yeah. Yeah. <laughs> like, hey, over there. Over there. Yeah. I'm kind of bummed that the reading ends here because the next passage is more of the disciples. So I just think it's kind of cool that first John says, hey, that's the that's the Lamb of God. And then these disciples go and follow, and then they go and grab other people and say, hey, we found the Lamb of God, the Messiah. And then in the, in the passage that comes after where it stopped today, that happens more times um, where people say, hey, we found, we found the Messiah, come and see. And it's just this like domino effect of, of disciples f- finding Jesus, following, and then grabbing more people and bringing them along. I think this is a great way to talk. We evangelism is one of those words that has a really bad reputation, I think, because sharing your faith came to mean convincing other people that they are wrong about their beliefs or, you know, coming up with the right arguments to prove your point. So there was something adversarial embedded in evangelism, or you're trying to save people from the fires of hell or something, and you want to save them. Where here, uh, they're just saying, come and see, come and look for yourself, come and explore this. And I kind of like that because it there's an openness to saying, well, one, it says, I've found something here that's really meaningful for me and I just I want I want you to see that I, I I want you to know about it but it doesn't try to define it and nail it down it lets that person have their experience which then leads to what you were talking about pastor Javen saying come come and see and all these come and sees end up probably pointing to different dimensions of what it means to be part of the Jesus community Right. I even hear that in Jesus' question. What are you looking for? Which is, by the way, that's the first thing Jesus says oh, in the Gospel of John. That's good. I, my Bible app on my iPad is one of these red-letter Bibles, you know, uh-huh. where everything Jesus says is in red. That's the first red part in John's Gospel is, what are, what you, are you looking for? Which I think is, I think it matters what the first words of Jesus are in each of the Gospels, because I think it says something about what the Gospel writer is about. And in John's gospel, the first thing Jesus says, what are you looking for? It's a question, it's a which question. draws us out, draws us in. And the second thing Jesus says is come and see, mm. which is pretty cool. Right. Mm. You judge for yourself. Right. Yeah. That's beautiful. Well, why don't we wrap it up there today? And before we end, just a special note that be sure to tune in next week because next week's episode was recorded live at Gloria Day um, during our Sunday Forum Hour back on January 12th. It was a fantastic conversation, and we hope that you enjoy the show. We're interested to hear from you what you think all of this means. Drop us a note at pastors at gloriadaystpaul.org. We also hope you'll rate the podcast and leave a review on whatever service you use for your podcasts. Thank you to Julie Prince for joining us today. And thank you also to our assistant music director, Paul Friesen Carper, for providing the music you heard on the show today. And to Marshall Saunders of Minnesota Podcasting for producing these podcasts for us. Join us for worship every Sunday at either 8.15 or 10.45 a.m. with Sunday School for All Ages at 9.30. Thank you so much for joining us. Know that God is with you, God loves you, and God will provide what you need for today. 
This has been What Does This Mean? A podcast created by Gloria Day Lutheran Church in St. Paul, Minnesota. You can find Gloria Day online at www.gloriadaystpaul.org. This podcast has been produced by Minnesota Podcasting, and they can be found online at www.mnpodcasting.com. 